this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Unapologetically Bold I'm Not Sorry For. And I'm so blessed today to have Dawn with me. Thanks for joining me today, Dawn. Thanks for having me. And so how I met Dawn is I work with an AHEC in Georgia. And in essence, you're one of my students. But I always ask them to do something with social media or something so that we can give information about. And I am so blessed for you, Dawn, for your ability to be hot, which is humble, open and transparent, because we're going to be talking about some deep stuff that's real. And I am thankful for you. I am thankful for you because I know your heart. And the reason why you're doing this is not to check off a grade, but it's really to make an impact in the greater good. So again, I appreciate you. So for the people that don't know who you are, if you just want to give them a little snippet of who is Dawn. Okay. Um, Dawn, I am a um, non-traditional college student. Um, I started college at 37 years old. Um, and I'm also a mother of two boys. Um, I, I love to be outdoors. I love to help other people. I love to meet new people, to do new things. Like, um, I'm, I'm a super extrovert, you know? Yeah. So um, anyway, I thought later in life, after some things happened to me, that I would go back to college. And because... In doing that, I felt like that I could reach out and help people in a way that most others can't um, mm-hmm. because of certain experiences that I have. And so that's where I'm at today. I'm trying to achieve that goal, you know. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I think that flows fantastically into what you're not sorry for. So the show is called Unapologetically Bold. Don, what are you not apologizing for? I am not sorry for being an addict. That's like just hearing that gives me goosebumps because we've talked, you know, that I have some experience with family members being an addict and and just how brave and bold that is to say that. But let, let's dive into that. What or when did you first be like, I'm not sorry anymore? Like, this is a mess that I want to turn into a message. When was that for you? Um, I think that I had that thought um, early on in, in my addiction. Um, but, but it was fleeting because automatically when you're using, you feel sorry, you feel, um, a sense of a dread and impending doom and, um, you can't do anything right. And, you know, the guilt, shame, and remorse is just overwhelming. So you're constantly apologizing. Um, and people don't want to hear it. People, you know, when you when you're trying to do well, 
people don't want to hear, I'm sorry, because they've heard it so many times from people like us. Um, they want to see, you know, that you're, that you're, that you're sorry. And so um, that's what I did. I decided to start showing people that I could be different. And um, in doing that, um, realized that if I'm sorry for being who I am and I'm sorry for the, for the journey that I had to take, then how can I have helped other people that I have helped thus far? You know, um, AA sponsorship was a huge thing for me for a lot of years, but I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have extended that hand had I not experienced what I'd been through. You know, I'd have been no use to others. That's so, so. powerful. And that makes me, I guess, for the people that don't know, if you want to just stay, if you want to tell a little bit about your story and how you got to your addiction and Absolutely. what came from there. Yes, ma'am. Um Okay. So I started um, using really young, but I came from a household where there was a lot of chaos behind the scenes, but outwardly, you know, our family looked really normal. Uh, my family done a really good job at like um, keeping what happened behind closed doors a secret. So, you know, I had an alcoholic father and he was abusive to my mother. And so in that, um, there was a lot of lying, a lot of ma manipulation, a lot of um, trauma that came from that. So I always felt like that was my fault. Um, of course, I'm not blaming my addiction on anything, but I will tell you that that type of trauma um, will make you feel like you're not whole, like mm -hmm. you're missing something, like your life... Um, it is, it's just out of control. So in order to gain some control and in order to, in order to feel like I was filling a void, um, I, I found, I found alcohol and marijuana. Um, and those things made me relax. I wasn't scared anymore. I wasn't fearful. Um, I, I didn't feel anxiety. I wasn't overwhelmed with anything. I could relax and I felt like I could be myself in that lifestyle. You run across other drugs, of course. So, um, of course the meth methamphetamine came into the picture. Cocaine came into the picture. Um, then, you know, acid, LSD, mushrooms, things like that all these different things. And I found that in doing each one, it gave me a different feeling. Um, and each feeling that I got was almost like an out of body experience. Like I don't have to be that girl anymore. I can be this girl mm -hmm. and everybody likes this girl better. Um, and it made me thin. And I thought, I like being thin. So, you know, I can keep doing this and, and I don't have to worry about getting overweight. So, you know, and that just kept on for years and years and years. And until at some point I was, I was so far into it that I started using IV drugs. Um, and then once I hit that bottom, it, there was just really, there was really nothing that could, um, nothing else that anybody could do at that point. Um, I, I said a prayer one day. Um, I was in a bathroom in a trailer park and I was scared to death and I just felt like I was going to die if I did any more drugs. And so I prayed to God. I'm like, God, if you could just pluck me from this hell, please. Like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And just a couple minutes later, there was a knock on the door and I, I landed in Cobb County jail. Um, 
from there, a couple different treatment facilities. And throughout those treatment facilities is where uh, my counselors assisted me in, into getting into school. And um, I knew um, from the moment that I arrived at a treatment facility that I wanted to be just like her. I wanted to be like that counselor that helped me. Um, I knew that I wanted to help others find their path. Um, and I knew being apologetic for who I was wasn't going to get me there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I embraced it. Um, I started telling my story to other girls. I started, um, you know, coming back here and, and helping people out here in my hometown. Um, and, and eventually it just it just being bold and embracing it rather than resisting um, and fighting it and and hiding who I really was. Um, it, it turned out to, to work in my favor, you know, and so now here I am, um, you know, nearly three years sober or no over. Sorry, I'm over three years sober now mm-hmm. um, and I'm doing things working toward a goal because I'm bold enough to do that. Mm, that's so powerful. And what mm. I hear too, and knowing you is that it was not an easy journey at all, but it's that after the fact. And I, one thing that I love that was different for you that we had some conversations about, it's you still still talk about you being an addict because you know that you could easily any day go back to it if you did mm. not own yourself and you did not have gratitude for the experiences that got you to where you are. So I'd love to talk about that for a minute. Like the power of still own understanding that these things can own me, but I'm going to, I'm going to take that power back. When did you first be like, this is mine. This is my power. I am not going to let a drug own me anymore. Um, the, the minute that I said that prayer, you know, I started to feel a little bit of that, a little bit of that power, you know, um, because I felt God work, you know, I saw God work for me. I saw him do exactly what I asked. And, you know, he works in ways where it's not always ideal and how he works, but, um, it, it always works out. So, you know, I felt it start then, but, um, when I was in treatment and the girls that were there, you know, I, I, I was always positive, you know, I was always really positive and the other girls were miserable and they didn't want to be there. And, you know, I would find that, that these girls would come to me and they'd want to talk privately, you know, about things and they would open up to me. And I kind of felt at that moment that this is where I belong. Like, I love this. I love helping others. Helping others keeps me sober. That's the important part about owning being in addiction recovery is because if you can't own it, then you can't help someone else. And, and, and that's the most powerful part of it. It's all about service work and it's all about reaching out that hand and um, being what it is that these people need, whether it be an ear or whether it be, um, you know, advice or, or guidance on how to do things or, you know, and it's just amazing the feeling that I get knowing that I'm going to be sober one more day because mm-hmm. of another one that's struggling and and that sounds selfish but at the same time that's the, that's the essence of the program you know mm-hmm. and it makes me wonder and ask this next question is what has been some of the greatest outcomes or learnings that you've came through this time 
Okay. So most, first and foremost, um, my faith was restored. Um, that's the most important, um, outcome first. Um, then from that, um, I rebuilt relationships that I thought were ruined for life. Um, my mom, my dad, and most important, my children, um, they, my son worships the ground that I walk on today. Um, but I've put him through so much, you know, and I'm so grateful today for the resilience of children. And I'm so grateful that my recovery is so bright and shining that my family members trust me today. You know, my mom was, she gave me a credit card to go Christmas shopping. You know, that wouldn't have happened in a million years in my past life, you know, but today she can trust me with that. You know, I have keys to the courthouse where I work. I work in a courthouse in the court system with judges and and things. And I have their keys to their offices and they trust me in their offices. And to me, that's huge. You know, just knowing that people trust me is one of the biggest outcomes um, that that just blows my mind on a daily basis. <laughs> wow. But that's so powerful, too, because it's something that I wouldn't think about. But it, it, it's so true. And, oh, there's so many ways that I want to go with this. For the loved ones. What would you or what advice would you give to anybody that loves that's loving an addict? What advice would you give to them? Okay, so this is going to sound terrible, but honestly, the best thing that my family did for me was to relinquish responsibility. They threw up their hands and they said, I cannot be here for you anymore with you like this. And that was one of the toughest things that I ever had to hear was for my mom and dad to tell me, if you pull in our driveway, we are calling the police on you. We can't help you until you start helping yourself. They stopped paying for phone cards and gas money and and hotel rooms and things like that, that I needed to keep my addiction in in motion. And when they did that, it, it was a slap in the face for me. And I realized I don't have anybody and I don't have anything. And that's when I was able to get to that bottom and and rise back up. Because if you don't hit a bottom, then you're not done. You know, mm-hmm. you're just not done. So I hit that bottom and I was in such a desperate state of being that I was able to rise up from that at that point. But just tough love, man, is really um, one of the most important factors, because if you're enabling an addict, then all you're doing is killing them. Mm-hmm. And it's all you're going to do. You're killing them slowly. You're helping them in their um, a suicide. So mm-hmm. it's so true. And it's it's that enabling and setting those clear boundaries and also as the loved one to, to learn how to care for yourself so you can actually care for the others. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to like your eight year old self? Mm. Knowing where you, you are now. If I I would probably have to say that would be. I would try to teach my eight year old self how to love myself the way I was. All of all of all of my history with addictions, it it goes back to insecurity, fear, doubt and insecurity. Um, And I was overrun with a thousand forms of fear, you know, and if I could just tell my younger self, you know, just love yourself the way you are. Don't be afraid to be you. Um, I believe that that would be the best thing. You know? That's so powerful. And that's what I talk about. Like for me, even me, it's like 
love, <laughs> like love yourself, like quit comparing, mm -hmm. quit trying to fight all these things. And it's just no matter where you're at, like, and no matter what life throws at you, I feel like these are just some commonalities that we all face is that the fear of rejection, failure, wanting to be perfect, wanting to look a certain way, wanting to, to reach it. But the thing that I think that is interesting too about your story is a story of masking, like almost like to, to feel like, mm -hmm. but the thing is, is that yes, you went to a drug, but other people go to cell phones. Um, some people go to social media. Some people go, I call it their Linus blankets. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, your Linus blanket took you over mm -hmm. and wrapped you up and took years of your life. But and from my perspective, no addict wants to be an addict. Like, I don't know any of them like, hey, I want to be an addict, you know. Um, so I want I'd love for you to talk about that from again, from from people that just don't get it, just don't understand it, you know, because um, I have a story of, of my my brother um, or I'm going to edit that out. I have a story of one of my loved ones who took a pill after having hit a root canal and he was addicted afterwards. And this is somebody that I love so dearly. And to see that what he went through and it just wasn't a year process. It was like a six, seven year process from there. And there's effects mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? There is. And, and a lot of people have that mindset that, you know, um, addiction is not a disease. It's a choice, you know. Um, and ultimately, in the beginning, it is a choice. I did make that choice to try the X, Y, Z. Um, but then after you cross a certain threshold with these things, it, it becomes a physical need, you know, and there's a, a great YouTube video called hijack brain that explains about the pathways and the neurotransmitters and how the addiction affects our brains and how it becomes something permanent. And so I found that, you know, really interesting when I was learning about my disease. So if, you know, if anybody's ever interested in watching that, that's a wonderful, wonderful video about how it becomes a disease and what the definition of an actual disease is. So, um, and, and our addiction is terminal and, and it's, and it progresses and that's the definition of a disease, a progressive and, and terminal, you know, um, condition that mm -hmm. needs treatment. Um, and so just like diabetes or anything else, you know, so I think it's very important for people to become educated um, on the physical body and what it does scientifically to our body, um, not just the person and their personality, because the addiction is so much more than just a person. It's 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 so much more. And it's just amazing to me um, the things that it does to our body. But it's also amazing that we do recover. And it is possible and it's possible to to grow from these things. And, um, you know, I just want to mention, too, that, you know, in that life, um, I've also can say I'm a survivor of rape and I'm also a survivor of uh, physical abuse in relationships. Um, and so I've I can extend a hand in those areas, too, you know, and so it's a blessing today to be able to help people in, that that feel like nobody else has been through what they've been through, you know. Mm, that's so powerful. And it's, it's so needed because unfortunately um, we had, I'll say my cheerleading, whenever I cheered in college, there was, it was, it was sad at how many of the girls, including myself had been sexually assaulted, mm -hmm. you know, and nobody had talked about it. And that's the thing is that silent suffering. Mm -hmm. that Nobody speaks about and, mm -hmm. until it's out in the, in the, 
into the world. And I think that's a great way to, to like end this is that people are silently suffering and they're saying they're apologizing mm-hmm. for being an addict. What would you say to them? I would say that, that you're not alone. Um, I would say, you know, there's help out there for, for you. And there's people out there that have been there and are recovered and are willing to extend a hand and help you step by step as slow as you need to go. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you so much for this, Dawn. Like, I am so blessed beyond measure. Not only do I get to work with you in, in person and uh, through the school system, but also just it just heart to heart. You are an amazing woman and I'm so blessed and I cannot see. I already told you this like maybe 15 times. Like, I can't wait to see the work that you get to do in the future. Yes. because It's going to be great. I know. I'm so excited. So, well, I appreciate you and thank you for all that have listened in. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for if this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open and transparent. See you next time.